Welcome to Word Birds, where you'll hear content conversations directly from the flock. Join Christopher Willis in conversation with content experts and thought leaders as they chat about how to make the most out of your words in business. Here's your host, Chris. Hello and welcome to Word Birds, a birds of a feather conversation amongst people that care about words. Today on the show, we have Colleen Jones from Atlanta-based Content Science. Colleen and I are going to talk about the challenges facing her customers in the enterprise as it applies to the creation of content. We're going to talk about the importance of impact and where we're seeing impact with content. And she's going to give some examples of how companies are experiencing huge growth as a result of optimizing their content. So let's sit back and get some insight from the flock. Hello, Colleen. Welcome to WordBirds. I'm really excited that you're here today. Thanks so much, Chris. I'm excited to be here and chat about content. You are joining us from Atlanta today, I understand. It is lovely there, I hear. Yes, a lovely fall day, very cool, 70 degrees. I think it's already (laughs) winter. It's winter in New England already. (laughs) It's already happened. I think a great way to start a conversation is you have incredible vision out into the market, wide range of customers and prospects and just folks that you talk to from a content standpoint. I think it'd be great to just sort of kick this off with what are you seeing out there the biggest challenges for folks today in the content space? Yeah, so I'm seeing a number of different challenges that I think all stem from increased demand and pressure on content to perform for a business or an organization. So a couple of examples, I'm seeing companies that are offering their products or services in a different way, such as moving from kind of an e-commerce model to more of a SaaS model. And there are a lot of implications for content (laughs) when you do that. And just learning how to become more like a a SaaS from a content perspective. And I should say a a successful SaaS that has a lot of I've dotted and T's crossed when it comes to content. So that's one really interesting trend. Another trend I'm seeing is focus on customer experience. So there's a large retailer and e-commerce company that we've worked quite a bit with over the years. And there's a renewed interest and executive level focus on customer experience. A new customer experience officer, a new focus on integrating closing gaps in the customer experience, caused by silos and so on. And that has a lot of implications for content and much more. But what we're seeing is a renewed interest in getting the technologies related to content playing better with other technologies that the business has. And in the past, that might be something we kind of point out and raise a flag about, whereas now it's something that has executive attention, it's a priority, it's something that actively working on. So those are a couple of really interesting examples of some trends that I'm seeing that, again, I think just really stem from 
the intensifying demand and expectations around content today. When you're dealing with companies that are trying to reinvent or invigorate their customer experience, especially companies that have put people in charge of that process, I'm going to make a generalization, but is there an understanding that customer experience for most companies is their content? Like the importance of how the content is written, not just the fact that, I mean, I think in past years, when you think about customer experience, it's the pathway through the website and less the way that the website is written or the tone or the the words that are used, the terminology, the clarity. Can you click here and get to the next thing? Are people starting to understand that the way that you say things matters in the customer experience? Yes, definitely. The way that you say things, whether you say things, do you say things at the right time? Absolutely. More awareness, interest in that than I've seen in the past. So for example, with the e-commerce retailer situation that I mentioned, there is a lot of awareness of we need to not only get, say, product content right, but we also need to get notifications, emails, the follow-up to and order everything in terms of messages, anything involving words, (laughs) that needs to be right for the customer. And we can't make it right until we have a more integrated approach. Absolutely. So, yes. When we look at our customer base, it starts all the way back in product, in the UI strings within the product and into the technical documentation and the consistency that needs to carry through to educational materials and the marketing materials and sales enablement, and then into service and support and the way that we communicate post-sale, all of that needs to tie together. And in most businesses, there isn't that interface that manages the integration between all those points. So you end up with this disjointed experience because, again, a lot of folks have in the past thought of the experience for customers as the purchasing experience or the use of the product experience but not both and not at the same time. And this integration now that's happening, boiling up to somebody that's responsible for the way a company communicates is, I think, critical to business success as we go forward. Because if something's in the product and it's represented differently in educational material and we're marketing something worded completely differently, and then somebody has a problem with the product and asks a question and support answers it with completely different words, at best, we've lost a customer. Like They're probably going to yeah. leave. But at worst, yeah. it starts to impact brand. It does. Tremendous impact on brand. And there's more awareness on the brand side, on the UX side, which tends to care about usability, but also recognizes what can happen if you have disconnects and inconsistencies and terminology happening throughout the customer experience. And then you know, certainly customer experience is key to having great customer relationships and a thriving business. Another example where we've seen a tremendous awareness of and executive priority on getting the words right is um, for a slightly different purpose, which is to really better communicate to partners and investors and other Parts of a business ecosystem, especially when you're talking about enterprises and, you know, certainly customer 
is always first, but these other audiences, if you will, are also really, really key to business today. And the story isn't clear if the terminology is inconsistent, certainly impact on brand, also just risk of poor communication. And so I've seen a big priority on getting the words right for that reason as well, getting the words right for the customer experience as well as for these other kinds of stakeholders. Absolutely. And I've been talking about sort of the hierarchical model of governance in the business. At the top level, somebody needs to explain to everybody in a company that we spell the name of the company this way. And from there, I mean, if we understand that as a guideline for creation, then what other guidelines do you have and where do they live? And how do you let that cascade down across an organization? And some things matter in the way that we create technical documentation. Some things matter in the way that we create investor documentation, marketing materials, and so on. And again, we're inheriting the spell the name of the company right and probably a bunch of other guidelines. But the way that I communicate with my investors, the clarity level, the terminology that I use, and the legal language that I have to inherit into this piece of content matter. And they matter in a way that maybe they don't for marketing. They probably don't for technical documentation. But that connection is what makes all of this work best because I'm communicating to the investors in a language that is consistent with the rest of the business, but I'm doing it in a way that is very specific to the way that I communicate with that particular audience. And all of this comes back to aligning your voice with your audience, the way that they want to hear, the way they need to hear your content. Absolutely. Absolutely. There are some core elements that can be cohesive for those different audiences and then elements that need to be distinct and doing that at scale at the pace that organizations are having to provide content to each of these different kinds of audiences and in all these different touch points it's um, it's intense <laughs> yeah i mean i fall back on the year that i got here and uh, if the audience has already heard this story i'm dropping the fourth wall for a second i apologize to them but <laughs> when i got here the first thing that i did as a new cmo in a business was say okay let's sit down and create the voice that we're going to go forward with and i worked with our founder and, and put that together and you can imagine that you know both players so obviously we created something that sounded like a combination of the two of us and we said like witty, but not sarcastic and smart, but not pompous, not super businessy, whatever. And we used our product to put all of that into practice. And it resonated from a marketing standpoint, which is what I run. And because I'm a megalomaniac, who else writes content here? What do we got? And we <laughs> pointed it towards support. I said, you guys, you're going to use our guidelines. Let's do this. Who doesn't think that I'm cute and funny at all is support customers. Ugh, ever since we hired RoboWriter, our business has really gone downhill. Buy this product. This product is good. It is a good product. You should buy this product. Robotic writing can hurt your business. Boost your profits with Acrolinks, the content impact platform that ensures effortless alignment across every team. Consistency in tone, inclusive language, scannability, and more. The tone of voice that we created to go to market is not the way that we can communicate when we're speaking in support, when we're providing answers. And so there are rules that carry into both the way we spell the name of the company, some of the terminology, the way that we refer to the product. But 
witty but not sarcastic, does not need to play in support at all. It's not relevant to them. And so I learned very quickly in a new business that it's not one thing. It's more than one thing. We need voices for our audiences, plural, not one. And I think that when you look at some of the products in the market right now that help with guidance and governance, they separate based on ones that handle a generic voice. Like, I'm going to fix your grammar. And grammar is a thing in the world. It's one thing versus products that help create a bespoke voice for the enterprise or more than one voice. Because for our customers, for the companies that you work with and I work with, one isn't enough. Like It can't be one thing. It's got to be across the board for that experience to work. Because what we're trying to do now is drive real impact with content. It's not just putting it out there. It's seeing business improve as a result of the things that we write and the way that we write them. I think one of the things that you talked about in your pre-interview was a customer that you'd worked with that saw dramatic improvement in revenue as a result of content optimization. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, absolutely. So related to trends that I'm seeing and just an increased concern about the impact content can have and just executive level attention on it. We had the opportunity to work with an organization, uh, a large e-commerce and retailer company on content that they already had. So they'd spent a couple of years developing content that supports in marketing circles, you might call the upper part of the funnel, the early stage of the journey or the life cycle. So content like guides and inspirational lookbooks and buying product guides and so on. So a lot of interesting content that they're curious about, could we get more out of this content? They had a a sense that it was helpful in attracting customers as well as engaging customers on a ongoing basis and connected somehow to revenue as well. But they didn't have a lot of uh, bandwidth to that point to kind of connect the dots between what data they had available, what was going on with their content, and kind of understand the story of what was happening, um, as well as really to see the potential and then take action on that potential. So so what we did is work with them over the course of a little over a year. And we did some initial analysis to understand current state, what content was already performing well, what were the characteristics of it, what seemed to correlate with SaaS. And we were looking, in their case, at visibility in search, as well as attribution to revenue. So there's a lot of manual stuff we had to do (laughs) to get the data together in the right way to be able to do these kinds of analyses. But we were able to do it efficiently because we do that kind of thing all the time. So we're a really good partner in that way. And so we found characteristics related to structure, related to kinds of terminology, used more from like a search engine visibility standpoint. And we helped the retailer codify those things, kind of create a playbook 
and implement that playbook. And their internal teams did a lot to implement that as well. And so because there was a lot of content, they implemented prioritizing content that showed promise to perform even better. And they also prioritized content that was already performing well and then got to more content as they could. So they're able to kind of follow the playbook, optimize a fair amount of content, but there was still some content that they did not get to optimize. And so we were able to compare and get some sense of what following the playbook, doing these optimizations, what kind of impact that was having. So we did a check after about three months and we saw promising improvement. And so at that point, I think the impact on revenue is about 250% better than the content that wasn't optimized. And then after a year, we looked again. And that's where we really saw sort of a compounding interest effect. (laughs) The benefits of optimizing just really continued to grow. And that's where we hit the super crazy, amazing number of 753% increase in revenue. And certainly the organization was very, very happy about that, most happy about that. But that bird also won some awards like best use of data and insight from the International Content Marketing Awards. And it's an approach that I'm really proud of because it's smart. It's repeatable. The methodology that we figured out and worked out can be continued over time. And it just really reflects a desire to treat content like the business asset it is. It deserves to be assessed like that, tracked like that, managed like that, as opposed to being kind of a, oh, looking at the data and the impact of something we'll do if we have time. So that's a a quick rundown of how we were able to help with reaching that 753% number and also help set an approach to kind of keep tracking and understanding the impact of content on revenue on an ongoing basis. If somebody's listening right now from a company that wants to increase their revenue by, I don't know, even 100%, but 753 (laughs) would be okay too. How would they engage content science to help them with that? So I kind of joke that we're the McKinsey of content. So (laughs) we're a little bit more like a management consulting firm than we are, say, a a traditional marketing agency or just a content creation firm. So we have a lot of thought leadership out there. We have an online magazine called Content Science Review and checking that out to get a sense of some of the research that we do, some of the ways that we think is a great way to kind of get to know us. And that as well as the ability to contact us and set up quick conversation is available at content-science.com. So yeah, that's a great way to start engaging with us. I mean, I can't think of anybody that is out there doing this that doesn't want to see those kind of results. So listeners, be dialing. This is real and it's available to you. 
and we're seeing yes, it's work. real. I think that's a great point. And I think what people need to understand is that Colleen's not selling software here. This is a process that aids in your ability to be impactful with the content that you've created or are creating. This isn't a gimmick. I'm going to use the word science. <laughs> Imagine that. In the name, ladies and gentlemen, it's in the name. Colleen, thanks very much for being on the show. If people want to get in touch with you, like you said, the best way is through your website at content-science.com. And thanks very much for being with us. Look forward to having you back again. You are the first person to come back from season one. We'll get you back here for season two or three, too, as well. I love it. Thank you so much for having me really enjoy the conversation. And I look forward to listening to all of the episodes. Excellent. Thanks very much. Thanks for tuning in. Make sure to join us next time for more insights from people who love words. This podcast was brought to you by Acrolinks. Continue honing your enterprise content by checking out other episodes at acrolinks.com slash wordbirds. If you have questions or comments, feel free to get in touch with Chris and his team by sending a message to word.birds at acrolinks.com. That's all for now. See you next time.